I'm Q, this is Bird Road. Miami, as we talk about a lot, is a crazy place that probably never should have exi existed. Um, we're a place that is under constant existential threat, a place where infrastructure is really just kind of a patchwork of band-aids and scotch tape. But we talk about it here, about how we can sustain this unsustainable place, and whether that's resiliency, climate change, agent bridges, roads, general corruption. Um, and maybe the most important topic, uh, mass transit how we get around, how we interact with each other, how transit creates a community. When Alejandra came to Coral Gables Senior High, she fell in love with public transportation. She began taking the bus around the city just to see the reality of how our transit system worked. She was a true activist, outspoken, fixture at county uh, commission meetings. She was on Twitter all the time, social media, uh, passionate about improving our, our admittedly pretty bad public transportation system. And she saw it as an enormous opportunity to elevate the people and bring them together. Um, I'm sad to report that Alejandra, who struggled with depression, took her own life last week. Her father, Freddie, announced it on Twitter, uh, where she was well-known in the transit activism community and in the small world of, of Miami Twitter. She was a constant thorn in the side of politicos and pundits who like to play kind of loose with the facts about our transit system. She and I interacted a number of times uh, over the years, although I never got to meet her. Um, since last week, there's been this outpouring of love and support from folks like me who might not have actually met Alejandra in person, but who knew who she was and were very impressed by her passion. She was 17. Um, I should say the responsible broadcaster thing right now, which is uh, at this point, if you know you or somebody that you know is struggling with depression or having suicidal thoughts, get help. You can contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. My guest today is Kevin Amizaga, who was a close friend and colleague of Alejandra. Together uh, in October, they co-founded Miami Riders Alliance, a community organization whose mission is simple, make transit better. You can learn more at riders, uh, ridersmiami.org. Kevin is a senior at, I thought it was Coral Gables High, but it's not, it's, uh, it's uh, actually Miami, Art, Miami Studio. Art Studio. And uh, we asked him to come on to share more about his friend and to discuss the future of mass transit in Miami. Kevin, welcome to Bird Road. Thank you, I'm glad to be here. So how, talk, talk to us about how you met and became friends with Alejandra. So I met Alejandra like everybody else did on Twitter, um, you know, starting first off. Um, I'm not a regular at county meetings. Um, I never have been. Uh, you know, they make them at such inconvenient times that people like you or I uh, could not go, but people like Alejandra could because she made it her mission to be there and be a thorn in the side of politicos in our county. So she, you know, dedicated her time to a work-study program uh, at her school so she could leave and become a full-time transit advocate pretty much so the first time i met her was at the county meeting that i did go to which was the second budget hearing of miami county and when i met her i was just you know twitter doesn't do her justice you know to meeting her in real life she she's just this passionate person that nobody else in miami or in miami advocacy can match you know, she's this person that has her ideas set out as if she's written them down 10,000 times. You know, she she's this true to herself person that, that you know, doesn't take no for an answer, that knows what she wants and knows how she's going to get it exactly as if it's, you know, coded into a system. So, you know, 
I, that's why I met her and you know, she changed my life. Mm. What, um, how did it, how did the shared passion of transit and the way people get around come up and like, it, what was the, I guess the, the, the commonality between the two of you in, in, in terms of your like belief system about the way that things work and the way that things should work. So Alejandro and I kind of started riding transit uh, for the same reason, because we didn't have a car to begin with. Um, I like going downtown. I live in Kendall, so, you know, everybody wants to get out of Kendall. So <laughs> It's true. Anybody who is in Kendall, whether it's just on a day-to-day -day basis to get to work or just broadly in life wants to get out. Exactly. Yeah. So I like going downtown a lot. I think that there's a lot of history in Miami. There's a lot of, um, a lot of attractions, uh, entertainment that doesn't exist in Kendall because um, we only have strip malls. But, you know, I liked going downtown. So Clearly you've never been to a place called Dadeland. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the gaudy, the, for non-Miami non listeners, just like imagine the, the just gaudiest overdone mall that there is. And that's uh, amazing mall. mall. Very nice. You know, if very you wanna, convenient. Very convenient. Say. It has a lot of stuff. It's like Dolphin Mall. But horrible, it is kind of like, convenient. it is kind of like the height of culture in a place where there's just not a section of town. Oh, where exactly. There's just not much culture. It's our downtown for an area without a downtown. Right. You know, if, if Kendall were a city which it should be, um, that would be our downtown and that would be, you know, it's generally considered to be downtown Kendall. Um, so when I didn't have a car, I would make my mom drive me to Dadeland South or Dadeland North and I would take the Metro Rail downtown. And there I would be, you know, accessible to all the public transit options that they have downtown, which in Kendall, West Kendall, Doral, everything west of the Palmetto we don't have. So, you know, I just saw that our public transit system in Kendall and all of those areas was just, frankly, a mess. Not only a mess, but an inconvenient mess and something that doesn't get people around. So I realized I didn't have a car. It's almost like my legs had been cut off. You know, it's like you, you can't even get around if you don't have a car. And that's not how it should be. You know, you shouldn't be placed with a barrier like that. And it's not like cars are cheap. You know, I bought my car used and it was $4,000 before fees and everything. That's not covering insurance, gas, you know, repairs, which I've had plenty of because that's what happens when you get a used car. You know, it's, you shouldn't have to pay so much to just get around to work and back and anywhere. You shouldn't have to pay so much money to just live your life. Yeah. Yeah. We talk a lot about how um, the lack of transportation is a perpetuator of poverty and uh, for people who maybe have a better opportunity or could at least explore better opportunities um, and better economic outcomes, they are limited in that one place. And even if you are able to get a car, I think people who don't live down here don't realize that it, like similar to cities like Houston or Atlanta or LA, a car is just a license to get into traffic and just exist in traffic two hours a day. Um, so it's, it, it, and the, our public transportation system, for those who haven't used it down here, is very much built to accommodate uh, cars and not people. So talk, talk a little bit about that. So the backwards mentality that South Florida and Florida and North America as a whole has, you know, is really just focusing on public transit in the sphere of cars. For example, on Wednesday, I attended an FDOT meeting uh, regarding rapid transit on Kendall Drive, Southwest 88th Street. And the, the representatives from FDOT reminded me why I fight for transit. The, the mentality that cars have to be accommodated even when 
replacing the space that they use with public transit, which will move the same amount of people with less space. So I took issue with FDOT's statement that, you know, building public transit is taking away from the many to give to the few. You know, I completely disagree with that statement. The many are the ones who use the public transit system, and the few are the ones in cars. Cars take up the most space of any transportation mean ever in existence, and they are so inefficient. So in the meeting, he said, oh, well, adding a bus lane or any form of transit, we will have to take out a car lane, and it will make a 30% reduction in capacity. But that wasn't true. Yeah, that's not accurate. I mean, that's that's a real uh, kind of blatant misleading or misreading of, of the numbers to, to, to exactly. label it that way. It was a 30% decrease in car capacity and automobile capacity. The throughput of the road would remain the same for all bus rapid transit options. A matter of fact, if you add heavy rail transit, the throughput increases by almost, I, I don't remember the number, I think it was 20,000 a day. Hmm. It was, it was a ridiculous number that increases throughput on a road that's already congested, and it decreases travel times for everybody. But you're really fighting uh, an uphill battle in a lot of ways because we have what I sort of in my head have always called like this master and commander syndrome where everybody likes to be the captain of their own little ship. Everybody wants to have their huge oversized SUV that takes up a lane and a half of space and uh, play whatever music they want or whatever we've just sort of been conditioned to it and i think it's in a lot of america an overwhelming amount of america i mean when you talk to people does that come up a lot i mean is that a is the this sort of uh fixation that our culture specifically our culture has with cars and how we would rather sit in an hour and a half of traffic than endure 45 minutes of public transportation you know i think that that statement is true about a lot of people um a lot of people would rather sit in their cars for an hour and a half and they would rather drive their SUVs that are really just suburb tanks. I read that somewhere and I, I like that word. <laughs> I'm gonna start using it a lot more often. Um, but that's not true of everybody. You know, people like me, I would love to get out of my car and not be sitting in, you know, 40 minutes of traffic at seven o'clock when I leave work just to get from Doral to Kendall. You know, it's, it's kind of crazy um, how a lot of people would rather do that, but not everybody would. If we built out the public transit system, people would come. I mean, there are thousands and tens of thousands of people that drive all the way from Homestead just to Dadeland North to use the Metro Rail to get downtown because it makes a trip on US-1 that would take an hour and a half from Dadeland to downtown. It makes it 15 minutes. And we also do another challenge is that we have um, a very, not and this is not unique in, in this country, but we have a very sort of status obsessed population that is very concerned with not only that they're seen in the kind of in their car but the kind of car that they have and there again is culture built around that um and the perception i think probably one of the toughest ones for you to work against is that public transportation is for the poor public transportation is for uh you know people who can't afford a decent car and uh i mean you know you can dispel that just by going to places like new york or san francisco or toronto and seeing what public transportation looks like um, among you know even whether it's whether you're an elite or whether you're you know just a working person you you have to take public transportation is is that another thing that you encounter very often that that perception that is a very common perception you know public transit riders are often seen as a subclass to car drivers you know it, it's a it's a real challenge when talking to people about 
bettering the system because when you say, I think that the public transportation system should be better, they say, why only poor people ride that? And you know, it's kind of interesting that people think that because a lot of very wealthy communities spring up around metro stations or, you know, public transit systems in Miami. I mean, look at Brickell. Brickell's right off of the Brickell metro line, and they also have the metro mover that goes straight through them. And people are paying top dollar to live on those lines. Look at Brickell City Center, one of the first transit-oriented developments in Miami-Dade County, and they have $2,600 apartments that they're selling to people. You know? I mean, you can go back 250 years to see canalways uh, that had the more affluent areas pop up around them because, I mean, even here a hundred years ago in, in, in Miami, along the Miami River, there's always been the, the, the key sort of means of conveyance will facilitate the growth, right? Like, exactly. Yeah. And it, it's not because of individual pods or carriages or cars that, that, um, that are uh, sort of facilitated through there. It's, it's because of the mass transit. Exactly. I think that a lot of the reason why so many areas turn up around some public transit options such as the busway in South Dade is because of the zoning that the county, you know, approves because when building transit oriented development, they're not very, you know, they're not very enticing with their options in zoning. You know, you have one area zoned for like commercial and it's a huge block that's really for a strip mall when you could be having these stations like the Douglas Road station that they're building now that they're going to be it's going to be a transit oriented development so now the mindset is changing on transit oriented development around these areas and you know i think that more wealthy people you know not to say that that's right but more wealthy people are starting to see the metro as an easier way of getting around they were at least viable exactly and it sucks to to have to think that way but honestly like without that class of people's buy-in not not much happens yeah in our society a lot of the things that are going to have to change are going to have to come from the top down mm-hmm. it's unfortunate that it's that way um i agree but if we're going to have any meaningful change and we want to work within the system it's what we have to contend with you know um a lot of people are now buying properties at dadeland and you see dadeland expanding because people want to live next to the metro station because mm-hmm. they've realized i'm sitting in my car for how long a year I'm wasting how much of my life in a car when I could literally just pay 250 a day, which is less than tolls. Yeah. And I could ride this train that I don't have to drive and I can read the newspaper in the morning. I can answer work emails. I can do so much. My time is so much more effective. And rather than just sitting in a car and pressing the brake and pressing the accelerator and pressing the brake and pressing the accelerator. That, that is over. true. I mean, I, I will say that I rode the, um, I, I rode the, the Metro, uh, the Metro rail a lot more, maybe about, Starting about 12 years ago, and occasionally I still do, um, I will ride it a hundred times versus driving into downtown. I would, if you ever visit this city, uh, don't drive into the downtown. Don't bother. No. Uh, especially if you're here for an event, like it's a disaster. Oh, no. But I will say what's interesting about that is that compared to 10 years ago, the constituency, the demographic um, of the riders supports what you're saying. There's been a shift. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a different... It's a professional management class of people that are uh, starting to adopt that. People who probably 10 years ago were driving. So you see them buying these condos and these sort of um, smaller you know, starter homes that are popping up in, in Kendall and in the Dadeland area. Uh, but that is a real choke point, though, because 
that's one little small part of when we say Kendall, we're talking about the entire part of the southern, like the the southern half of the southern half of this county is Kendall, and it's hundreds of thousands of people, and that that one railway is insufficient to support them. Mm-hmm. Um, how feasible is it to think that we could get rail that extends maybe a little bit more due west? And what are the the impediments to uh, beyond just you know outright theft over the course of various administrations in this county that have taken the misappropriated the funds that was intended to do that but like what what are what are the the, the big challenges now because when you or when Alejandra talked talked to these leaders right they're all on board and they're all like yeah, well they're not great. all on board which is another impediment yeah, yeah know, in and true. of itself yeah and they, they they'll again we talked about sort of fudging facts and miss you know misusing uh, data and and kind of like tailoring their arguments to be able to support you know more busways but let's not worry about the rail things like that i don't know what what is your take on what needs to be done um at, at sort of that that le- the county commission level mm-hmm. I, i'd first like to say that rail in miami-dade county is 100 percent feasible it is 100 percent economically viable with state and county funds we don't even need the federal government you know and i brought it up at this fdot meeting that you know i keep referencing because I said a lot of things, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know when you're here, and for example, that project they chose curbside BRT, which only costs about 250 million, if I'm correcting or if I'm remembering correctly. And that's bus rapid transit. That is, in quotations, bus rapid transit. Mm. Um, but you know, and for 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 clarification, that's like when you set us when you carve aside a separate lane for bus uh, for. A, bu- a bus line. Yes. Basically. In okay. this example, they would be taking away a lane from traffic to give to a bus. Um, the curbside BRT has a lot of problems. I will support it if it gets passed. I don't support it currently. Um, but for example, that project costs about $250 million. That's, you know, requiring federal funds, state funding, county funding, and it's this whole big process to get that money for $250 million. Right. In comparison, the numbers that I've read for the Palmetto Express lanes, which required zero federal funds and zero county funds, only state funds, costed $719 million. So I brought that up to these officials and I said, why is it that we have to request federal funding? Why is it that we can't do this ourselves for a whole system, a whole rail line versus a few extra miles of express lanes that people have to pay to use now. Right. You know, it shows that FDOT isn't really advocating for transit. It's not advocating to cure congestion. It's just advocating to accommodate extra cars right. and encourage people to keep driving, which is the whole issue behind everything. You know, that's that's the biggest impediment to the to the you know entire reason why we have public transit. Public transit is supposed to move more people faster and it does when it's correctly laid out when it's correctly built when it has the support of the people and of the government you know in kendall you have support to build metro rail which fdot states is not true which is incorrect in i don't know how many ways um kendall voted overwhelmingly to increase our sales tax for the people's transportation plan which was a half penny tax that the county has since rated and used for operations instead of expansion, which it was clearly laid out for in the ballot. So, you know, Kendall is very wanting of of transit, just like the rest of the county. Yeah. 
we're not given it because of all the barriers that exist because even the federal regulations you know make it so prohibitively time-consuming and expensive to make public transit you know it's not a miami-dade county issue it's a united states of america issue and north america in general everything is weighted it seems all the conversations even in the media it seems like they're weighted on the side of there's this presumption that people in cars on freeways moving relatively quickly is good and that's the ideal outcome right and anything we can do to get to that point i think about the discourse just over the last three or four years of the deaths involving trains here when somebody pointed out um it might have been actually in response to one of Alejandro's tweets recently uh a couple months ago that three thousand people die in cars every year across the state of florida and five or six people died in these you know uh, admittedly really tragic events uh along different railway stations but um it's like that is always going to get far more attention than the routine on my street bird road right on bird road just last week we had a in this free fire zone which people here and who live here know about from 57th to 67th avenue it's like daytona mm-hmm. everybody just it's it's an area that is it's a no man's land don't ever walk there don't even try a woman was plowed down and killed there's a and and, and died right in front of a uh power a power substation and there are so many segments of Miami Day that are like that, that are these these free fire zones where it's not built, for, it's no man's land, it's not built for people, it's built for cars to do 80 miles an hour in a 40 mile an hour zone. Um, I mean, is it your experience also that 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 uh, narrative is like metastasized? Is it like, that's what people believe? Like people believe, oh no, let's build things for cars, not for people. I mean, that's definitely, you can see that in all of American suburbia ever since we started, you know, with the automobile and the idea that we can move people so much further away and the trade-off will be that you can, you know, wait in traffic. And ever since we started sprawling out after World War II, people have decided that cars are the way to go. And, you know, people would rather have bigger houses in the suburbs than be living closer to jobs and having a small apartment, which in a lot of ways is the American dream. It's what America was built on, but I feel like it's a false dream. It's a pipe dream, really, because not everybody can have a house like that. It relies on some people not having one. You know, it's it's this unsustainable system that we have in this country that really just, you know, keeps pushing people out further and further until they can't afford to get into the city center anymore which is what happens in Homestead, what happens in Florida City. You have all these people that can no longer reach the jobs that are there. So then now they have these little islands of people that don't have the money. And I feel like that's a huge reason for poverty in those areas. The, they, you know, they buy and, and and what happens is if you've, if you've been around long enough, you see this happen is that they buy in these exurban areas um, during boom times and people set up their lives around a boom time, a moment in, in, in time where they can afford a nice car and they can afford an adjustable rate mortgage home mm-hmm. with you know five bedrooms and four bathrooms that they probably can't actually afford. And then if you, one of the most dire places to see in 2009, 2010 was Homestead, Florida City, far west Kendall, where a lot of these homes, huge tracts of homes were being emptied out. People who had been renting them were, were um, didn't even know that the owner had gone into foreclosure. I mean, it was just real horror stories. And today, a lot of them are still ghost towns. And that's a direct result of like 
this unsustainable idea of I'm going to have my little mansion. Yeah, maybe it's an hour away, but I'm going to sit in my car every day. And uh, it's it's it's, uh, you know, it's something it's a it's a life. It's a living. I can I can figure it out. But um, yeah, I think that a lot of the data supports the idea that that urban living, trying to be a little bit closer, trying to make a little bit less of an impact actually on balance really leads mm-hmm. to like a little bit better of life yeah. or quality of life no overall. and it has health impacts too if you're living far away and you're spending time in traffic it actually impacts your health adversely mm. um you know living close to your job in the city center if that's where you work because not everybody works in the city center and that's something that also has to be acknowledged um but if you live near the city center and you live near where you work your carbon emissions cost goes down you know, your electric bill is lower because you don't have to heat up your entire home. You know, everybody wants all this space just to fill it with junk because we don't even use our space efficiently. You know, and then one of the biggest growth, growth industries down here in South Florida. Is, and I think storage storage. units, <laughs> Yeah. You know, just throw it away, folks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, uh, even Transit Alliance, who's working on their whole Better Bus project right now, which is amazing. They're doing great work over there. Mm-hmm. Um, they have the data to support that these areas that you know suburban America has created are horrible for job growth and people who don't have cars because you know for example from the West Kendall terminal of transit because you know whatever um, <laughs> they have almost 400 times less opportunities within 45 minutes or an hour right. than if you were to leave from for example uh, downtown or the Miami Intermodal Center. Um, yeah, within a within a within a reasonable amount within of within a reasonable radius, it's just a whole bunch of strip malls and retail and service industry jobs, which mm-hmm. I mean are necessary, sure, and uh, serve a purpose, but they are very limiting. And, and not everybody in Kendall there. is working in those places. You right. know, a lot of people in Kendall work downtown mm-hmm. because of you know the the economic status of the area it's by and large a middle-class suburb you know and kendall i i don't even i can't even think of any low-income areas that are like that right. so you have all of these middle-class people trying to get from west kendall or kendall because it's still west um all the way up into downtown which is very far east i see you're not adopting the um, rebranding that they tried to do a few years ago where they called kendall west end do you no remember that? no <laughs> i'm against that <laughs> Don't blame you. <laughs> no, it's always a bad news. It's always bad news. I mean, you can look to New York, you can look to London, you can look anywhere. When developers come in and decide to try to rename, an, a they just try to call it West End, and everybody's like, "That sounds horrible." <laughs> it's like that makes us sound like you know, that makes us sound bad. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, Kendall West is really just you know this collection of suburban homes of middle class families that is not a West End, you know, it, it will never be, um, you know, I won't say will never be, but it is not. I think more accurate would be to call it West Elm because it's very much like a big box retail store. It's it like is. If, if, a, if a West Elm gained sentience and became a living community, <laughs> that would be, you know, West Kendall, I think. It would. Um, so even Kendall West, uh, there are areas of that area that do not have even a census-designated place because of how far they continue to sprawl. Yeah. It's you know it's very irresponsible of the county to keep extending that far west. Yeah, and um, that's that's always been the solution in this county as far as long as it's been a county is to keep pushing west mm-hmm. and keep encroaching on these um, 
uh, these protected areas protected that are so areas. important to us, you know, not only tourism, because the Everglades rake in, I don't know how much money with boat tours and all this, it's a very important part of our economy, but also, you know, the environmental impacts of that, yeah. you know, for example, the Kendall Parkway that they want to do, which the EPA has basically said, we're not issuing you permits for that. Like, do not like we're, and this is under, you know, the Trump administration right. saying we're not going to issue you permits to build this highway because it is so going to adversely affect the the environment here. and county legislators continue to push for it some do um some other ones see that induced demand is real um our mayor doesn't believe in induced demand um he's made that clear when he told a woman she was stupid for for believing, yeah. for believing in it um, that, that even more though cars the, would create more cars and yeah even though the data supports it yeah. um on every level on every study that has been done um and even just in common sense like yeah if there's this I mean, well, the other um for for those who know the show, they know that the other sort of polarity of our show is Las Vegas, where um, where my co-host lives, and we, we do shows from both places, and uh, and there's a lot of commonalities between Miami and Las Vegas. And one of the things that they did in Las Vegas about 20 years ago is they started this 215 Beltway connection that was wonderful for about four or five years, where nobody knew it was there. But guess what? As soon as people realized it was there, people used it, and more people were on the road, and it is now these days a parking lot if mm -hmm. you try to get around on it and that's what happens is that the availability creates the demand creates the congestion yeah and then you know the whole idea is that once they build this kendall parkway they're not going to allow any more development around it yeah that's what happen. they said about the palmetto that's what they said about the turnpike and that's what they keep saying about every f single highway that's going to be created in this county if there's anything that south florida is famous for it's for developing responsibly it's a beltway until it's no longer a beltway, yeah. you know, it's, that's really the idea here. And I agree that people in West Kendall have some of the worst, if not the worst traffic in the county. I thought Doral was bad because I work in Doral. Horrible. Anybody who w lives or works there knows. But, you know, I, I go to my school at Miami Art Studio, which is on 152nd Avenue and Coral Way, which is 26th Street over there. And... If anybody knows that the Everglades starts on 157th, you'll know that we are right next to the alligators. <laughs> so driving every day, I drive every day from Kendall in, you know, central Kendall, right next to the turnpike, all the way out there. And then I drive all the way to Doral. One time I had to drive the opposite way at six o'clock. I drove from Doral to West Kendall. I don't know how anybody does it. It's insane. It's, it's insane. Yeah. And there's no transit options to do that, which is, you know, I, I admired Alejandra for her persistence in using the transit system in this county, but her situation and my situation aren't the same. They never have been, you know, we, we used to fight about it a lot. Um, it was never really fighting so much as we both had the same understanding, but my situation was different. Right, through a different lens. Yeah, she lived very close to her school. She, you know, lived in, you know, right off of Douglas Road, where the transit options are much better mm -hmm. than I have. Um, out in my area, I have to walk over half a mile to a bus stop for a bus that comes every 40 minutes. Yeah. And in her area, she can go to a bus that maybe comes every 20 minutes. So I drive over 34 miles a day. I'm not somebody who is a diehard public transit advocate that I am a diehard public transit advocate. But I'm not somebody who always rides the public transit system because I don't have the option, which yeah. is why I'm fighting for public transit. She, um, for those who followed her on Twitter, would uh, and you would you would glean that from you know just an afternoon of seeing her updates because 
she would be heading eastbound towards Miami Beach and then westbound to or northbound to Aventura and then back westbound and in your mind you're saying what is this person doing and you come to realize she's literally just stress testing the system she's doing it out of her own interest or uh you know borderline obsession with mm -hmm. the way that it works and the way that it more specifically doesn't work mm -hmm. um which i found fascinating i think i think that's what resonated with a lot of people we see it as this sort of um you know the podcast 99 invisible they, they talk about the hidden parts of of the infrastructure of the sort of like the anthropocene world like our human world right and for a lot of us who are spend a lot of time in a car that can be like that the all the public transportation and the transit system that's built around us can seem invisible and to have somebody who was peeling that back a little bit and saying like hey look this is this is what happens when you get on this bus at this exit it takes you an hour and a half and there's gum all over the side of it and uh yeah i just thought that was really fascinating um one of the things i wanted to talk to you about about her work was uh get, get you to tell us a little bit about some of the um innovations that uh hopefully something happens with them specifically i wanted to talk about wayline and the uh the the redesigned um the redesigned east card or easy card that that um that she created uh so with with the easy card explain what that what what that is and if there's hope for getting something like that um you know instituted on a countywide level and if you've had conversations with anybody you know who could help make that happen mm -hmm. okay so alejandra's easy card um, the one that Doug Hanks shared. I'm assuming that's the one you're talking about. Yeah. Well, I remember when she posted it. Yeah. I mean, it was like a year ago or something like that that mm -hmm. she posted it, and she, she seemed really excited about it, and specifically the design. It was a pretty sharp. You can see in the article that the Miami Herald wrote about her. Um, it is, uh, yeah, posted. I think Doug Doug Hanks, the reporter who who wrote that story, uh, had it had it there. So check out the MiamiHerald.com for that. But yeah, t tell us about like what it was. So Alejandra had her easy card, her K through 12 discount easy card, which is very helpful for students. Um, so thank you for my Miami Transit for that. Um, but she had it because she thought the easy card was ugly, which I agree. Um, but she wanted to make her own little vinyl print for it. So she created that design. Um, to be quite honest, she's had a lot of, um, or she had a lot of uh, doubts about the design afterward. Um, so in any iteration that I would put out there, I would definitely keep to her wishes. Mm -hmm. She had shared them private with, privately with me, things she would have changed on the design since then. Um, but yeah. Just yeah. like any artist, really. Yeah, no, literally. <laughs> I'm an artist and I, I agree. I see my previous work and I'm like, horrible. Work but, is never finished, it's only abandoned. Yes. Yeah, a work of art it's, is never It's finished. only uh, deadlined. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the easy card I had brought up to Commissioner Levine Kava of District 8 that um, if we would be able to do an in-memoriam card uh, on the transit system for that and Sean McCracken who was also on the call um, that I had with them about Writers Alliance and keeping it you know running and administration and funding which Commissioner Kava was so helpful um, she founded the nonprofit Catalyst Miami which is an amazing organization mm -hmm. um, she took to the idea and she said that that would be a good idea and I think that they're redesigning the the card anyway so I'm gonna try to get you in touch with somebody from public works and we're gonna we're gonna try to see if we can do something with it um, that happened this week everything's happened this week of course yeah. um, so you know the, it's it's just been a whole roller coaster since then and I think that if we can get that card 
done in her name, you know, I think that it would keep on her memory and it would, you know, be something that she just loves so much, you know. I, I just want to do something that'll remember her in the way that she, she lived, you know. So making an impact on people because countless people have easy cards, yeah. you know. So t- tell us about what Wayline was. My understanding is it was uh, she coded some open source software that would improve efficiencies between the various sort of sometimes disparate um, public transportation lines, like different lines of service. How, how does that work? So from what I understood from her, because to be honest, she codes in a language that I don't know. Um, she's a genius, that girl. And, you know, I'm still fascinated by her work to this day. I'm a coder too. And just the amount of knowledge that she had and her persistence of learning, you know, this is someone who stayed up until three in the morning on a school day to code and learn and, you know, learn how it works very much like she did with the transit system and everything else in her life. She just liked learning things. So Wayline was this application, or really I, I believe it's an API, which is something that you send data in and you get data back. So it would take all of the GPS data from all of the different systems in Miami. Her idea was to implement everything from Key West to Stort, Florida. That's um, That was what she wanted to do. Very ambitious. That's Very a, ambitious. For those that don't know, that's a big swath of territory. Yeah, that's yeah. over... I want to say like 200 miles maybe. Yeah. And in that 200 miles, probably 6 million people, Yeah, 6 or 7 million people. It, yeah. the enti- it, is, it encompasses all of South Florida, right. which is what she said. It was all of South Florida. We're all the same people. You know, we all need to have a unified system. So she was running this on a server in her bedroom. Um, it was a way to get all of the GPS data from all of the public transit systems in every single municipality that exists from Stort to Key West. And she did it for the most part. Most of it is done. Um, it's all published on GitHub, it's open source. So if anybody wants to take that up, um, I don't remember what language it's written in, but it was months and months and months of work. I remember when I met her, I think she was still work- she was already working on it and it was already almost done. And that was, I don't remember, that was like a year ago probably. See, it, it strikes me that there's these sort of two ways to attack this problem of lack of transit, right? One is things like Wayline, things that are sort of working with the existing infrastructure, working with the existing barriers, right, to make the, make better what's already in the sandbox. Mm-hmm. And then there's the idea of building more sandbox. And uh, for for somebody who is, you know, now at the head of this, this alliance, this organization, how are you going to balance those two? What are, what's going to be your focus on, uh, you know, how do we build bigger, but also take advantage of what we have and be smarter? So a big part of Writer's Alliance and, you know, my belief that Alejandra also believed, because um, we didn't always agree on everything, you know, like people do. But a whole big part of Writer's Alliance from the beginning was we will support anything that has to do with transit expansion or improvement. You know, for example... I, and mostly everybody, is very, very salty about the fact that South Dade got, you know, got strong-armed into a bus rapid transit system when that's not what we voted for and it's not what we wanted and it's not what anybody wanted except for the mayor's office and some politicals. So, you know, we support the bus rapid transit system being built now that it's official and that's what's coming. And just like the North Corridor, which is getting Metro Rail, elevated Metro Rail, by the way, 
um, when there was no money for the South Dade. We will support that expansion because we ex- we support the expansion of any system in right. the county. Um, and Writers Alliance is really a way to support that as not only individuals but as an organization and to really the mission in my idea is to create a network of advocates because anybody and everybody should be an advocate you know even if you're a driver you should advocate for public transit because it gets cars off the road and decreases congestion which is this whole idea that you tell people you know you can have a car you can drive nobody's taking away your car i mean there's some people that say ban all cars from everywhere I'm I'm not necessarily one of those yet. I haven't caught on board. <laughs> Just get pushed pushed a little further. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, every day driving on the Palmetto can do that to you. Um, so you know, there's a lot of people that say ban all cars. I'm not one of those yet. Um, you know, if drivers work with people in public transit to improve public transit, you can decrease travel times for cars. You know, it doesn't. It's not taking anything away from you. But drivers have the sense of, oh, they're putting a bus lane. They're taking away a lane from me. Right. When in reality, you might switch people over from driving to taking the bus. And each car that gets off the road, it's an exponential equation. So each car that you take off the road significantly decreases traffic. So everybody, everybody, you know, gains when we have a working and a quality transportation system. So I would, say, I would, I would ask as sort of our last question to wrap up. Um, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, when hopefully Miami begins to or continues to embrace these different forms of public transportation and bring our community community together a little bit more, like what do you hope that Alejandra's legacy will be in the future? I hope Alejandra's legacy will continue on as she believed everything. And, you know, I'm trying very hard to to preserve everything that she believes in. You know, a lot of Writers Alliance's ideas aren't even my own. You know, I'm not necessarily pushing my own agenda here. A lot of the things are things that she just believed in that I've kept as our our mission and our goals. Um, so her legacy should be to improve the public transit system so that people like her that don't have cars and don't necessarily want cars because she was, you know, offered cars. Her family was trying to get her to drive, <laughs> but she she thought the cars were unsafe, which is true. I mean, if you look at the data, more people have died since 1940-something or 1950 than have died in both world wars. Yeah. You know, it's kind of ridiculous that we keep embracing this super dangerous form of transportation. But, you know, to really answer your question, her legacy will be one that improves the public transit system, not for only people like her, but for people that are less fortunate than her, people that aren't as mobile, people that are handicapped and disabled, and not only just them, people that are, you know, regular folks like me or you people in the suburbs and people downtown and people that are wealthy. The public transit system should work for everybody. It shouldn't just be working for one specific people. And, you know, that's that's the whole it, you know, that's the whole point with Writers Alliance. We're fighting for everybody, not just writers, not just bikers. We're really just advocating for everybody. And because everybody wins when you have a working tra- public transportation system. So there's going to be a celebration of Alejandra's life tomorrow at uh, Maspon's funeral home at 3500 Southwest 8th Street. Um, if you're hearing this in the future, that's Saturday, December 7th. And if you hear it after Saturday, December 7th, then forget about it. You missed it. But um, if you are hearing this today, then uh, yeah, just know that. You can get involved with Miami Writers Alliance on writersmiami.org. And you can also follow them on Twitter 
at Riders MIA. Anywhere else that we can uh, send folks? Um, Instagram also is the same as the Twitter at, so Riders MIA. Um, we also have a Facebook, which is at Miami Writers Alliance, or if you search up Miami Writers Alliance on Facebook, um, I have to post more in there, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all have that problem. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, thanks for coming by. No, thank you. Thank you.